testimony, seal the law among my disciples. And I will wait upon the Lord that hideth his face from the house of Jacob, and I will look for him. Behold, I and the children whom the Lord hath given me for signs and for wonders in Israel from the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth in Mount Zion. And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them uh, that have familiar spirits, and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God for the living to the dead? To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And they shall pass through it, hardly bestead and hungry, and it shall come to pass that when they shall be hungry, they shall fret themselves and curse their king and their God and look upward. And they shall look unto the earth and behold trouble and darkness, diminish of anguish, and they shall be driven to darkness. Pardon me. Uh, Brother Eccles asked if I would preach on the subject of separation, and I agreed to do that, of course, and, and, and prayed and asked, and, and I thought, well, you're going to be preaching a bunch of preachers, so there's not, a, there's not a real big need to preach against smoking and gambling and cussing. I said, there's not a real big need to preach to preachers about smoking and gambling and cussing and such, but um, we are to be a separated people. The doctrine of sanctification is the doctrine that is not hardly even mentioned anymore, but needs to be. We're to be a separated people. And so I titled the message for this morning, Can People See the Difference? Let's pray and we'll get started. Heavenly Father, we are thankful to be in this place. We're thankful, Lord, for what we've heard last night and this morning already and, and God, we just ask that you'd continue to meet with us. We need your help. We can't do anything without you. We know that. We readily admit that, oh Lord, here in public before all men. And, and we ask for your power. We ask for that unction that can only come from you, divine direction and clarity of mind. We need that, I know, and clarity of speech, and that we would preach this message the way that you would have it done, oh Lord, that uh, we'd stay on track and and that we'd say the things that you want us to say and refrain from anything we shouldn't say. I, I just ask that you'd be honored and glorified in the end of all things, and we thank you for your goodness and mercy to us. For we ask these things in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for standing. Please, please do be seated. <clears throat> well, I know I'm preaching to the choir, per se, but we know this. Culture is not neutral. It's not neutral. It, it, it imparts a, a constant pressure upon us to think and to feel and to believe and to even act in ways that conform us to the ways of this world if we're surrounded by culture. And the challenge, of course, of, of the Word of God, of God, is be different. Be different. We're supposed to be different. We're saved by the grace of God. We're supposed to be different. We're, we're not to conform to the ways of this world. We are to be separated people. And the text here really deals with that battle. The prophecy that begins in chapter 8, it deals with the same events that were prophesied in chapter number 7. Ahaz had recently ascended to the throne of the southern kingdom of Judah. His reign was threatened by two forces. It was threatened by the nation of Assyria, which at that time was a threat to every nation of the Middle East. And then it was threatened by an alliance. It was called here a confederacy 
between Syria and Israel, the northern kingdom, uh, two very powerful nations that had joined forces to oppose the Assyrians. And so they invited Ahaz to join their confederacy. And when Ahaz refused to do that, they decided to go ahead and attack Judah to unseat Ahaz and force the armies of Judah to fight with them against the Assyrians. And as Ahaz considered his options, whether to surrender to the Assyrians or to join the confederacy, God in his good mercy and grace sent the prophet Isaiah to Ahaz to offer him God's help. Here's the sad part. Ahaz refused. He refused that help. He wanted nothing to do with Isaiah or with Isaiah's God. And very evidently, most of Judah sided with their king. Uh, They didn't really have any interest in turning to God either. And most, but not all. Uh, This prophecy was addressed to Isaiah and to those who shared his faith in Jehovah. The ones that could uh, uh, say with him, like it said in verse number 10, God is with us. And it's given to believers. Believers living in the midst of an unbelieving people. Believers living among the um, people who, because of their disbelief in God, were driven to darkness, it says in verse number 22. Spiritual darkness, the darkness of this world. We live in a very dark world, don't we? It's true. Um, the, the darkness people experience when they, when they turn away from God, do their own thing, go their own way, whether they want to acknowledge it's darkness or not, when they turn to even false religions and when they engage in even more sinful behavior. And so God gave Isaiah a message that was meant to equip these believing Jews to resist that darkness and to be different uh, from the culture in which they lived. Uh, God's people have always been called on to demonstrate a difference between their lives and those who do not follow God. It's getting more and more uncommon that way, even as we already heard this morning, it's getting more and more uncommon that that uh, we just need to, we need to relate to these people. We need to, you know, to come down to their level. We need to dress the way they do and walk the way they do and talk the way they do. We need to dumb down our music, you know. And so we can, you know, they'll better relate to the songs that we sing and all these different things. Um, but uh, we're not supposed to do that according to what God has to say. One way that the Bible brings this out is by using different terms to indicate the difference. I mean, believers are described as wheat, and unbelievers are described as tares, and believers are described as sheep, and unbelievers as goats. And in Ephesians chapter number um, uh, 5, Paul uses the term darkness and light. He said this, Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also hath loved us, and hath given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor, but fornication and all uncleanness and covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather of giving thanks. For this ye know, that no, no whoremonger nor unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers uh, with them. For ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the world. Walk as children 
of light. I didn't get saved till I was 27 and out of a life of, of drug and alcohol addiction. And it didn't take me long to realize that my life was supposed to be different. <clears throat> but that doesn't seem to want to be proclaimed like it used to be. But it needs to be. It needs to be. So how do we walk as children of light? I mean, how do we keep from being overtaken by the darkness that engulfs the ungodly? Well, this morning I want us to consider three commands that God gave to the believers of Isaiah's day that can help us uh, to fulfill our call to be different uh, today. And we're talking about separation, being different from this unbelieving world. It, it has always been God's way. It will continue to be God's way. Um. The Bible here teaches us that, that we are not to walk in the way of an unbelieving people. It starts there in verse number 11. For the Lord spake thus to me with a strong hand and instructed me that I should not walk in the way of this people. Um, this was said to Isaiah. Now, now get this. This was said to the prophet of God with a strong hand. God still speaks with a strong hand. He says what he means. He means what he says. And he expects us to follow his way. No, no, no. He doesn't want us to form it into what we want it to say. He doesn't want us to twist it. He doesn't want us to tear pages out that we don't like anymore. He expects us to continue to not walk in the way of the world. We are to be a different people. We're to be a different people. Um, it's like God laid upon him, uh, laid laid uh, uh, hold of him with a very firm grip, and it was meant to impress upon the prophet Isaiah the importance of the command to ensure that he would respond with this strict obedience. and And he goes on to say, "Say ye not in verse number twelve, say ye not a confederacy." Now again, the nation was threatened with this invasion. The popular Political solution to all of this was to establish a confederacy, uh, surrendering to Assyria and joining forces with them, or siding with Israel and Syria to join forces with them. And God said to Isaiah and those believers who were with him, said this, basically, their solution is not to be your solution. Their hope is not to be your hope. Their way is not to be your way. Look, we don't need contemporary music in our services. We don't need mood lighting in our services. We don't need to dress down to attract a crowd. We don't have to adopt the world's way to do the work of God. Somebody say amen right there. I'm telling you, I get, I get so fed up with seeing these churches going off to the left just so they can attract a crowd. It is not our responsibility to attract a crowd. Our responsibility is to preach the Word of God. Amen. To get people to the, the with the help of God and the best of our ability to preach and teach in such a way that people will not want to go in the way of the world anymore, but they will, they will adhere to the ways of God. That's our responsibility. Judah was a nation in need of revival. There's no political solution. Um, come on. There's no political solution that can solve 
the problems of a nation in need of revival. There's no, no, no. These nations did, these nations did not pose a threat to Judah because, uh, he was a, because Judah was a weak nation. They posed a threat to Judah because Judah was a wicked nation and they had walked away from God. And a confederacy was seen by many to be the only solution. We just gotta join hands. I mean, it's the only hope we have. All the churches are gonna die if we don't just join hands with the world and do it this way. We gotta be like them if we're going to win them. I mean, how else are we going to make this work? But a confederacy is man's solution, not God's solution. Revival is God's solution. Turning it all over to God and doing it His way and not our way. And He also told them in verse number 11, "Neither uh, Neither fear ye their fear, nor be afraid. Their fear was this, apart from some kind of confederacy, apart of, uh, apart from joining hands with them, uh, apart from being a seeker sensitive church, we have no chance of survival. Oh no, no, that's the idea of people. I know if we go that way, how are we going to keep this church going? Well, it's not your church. It's the Lord's church. And He said He would build it. And he gave us instruction to what we're supposed to do as, as he builds our church. And if we will just handle it his way, I tell you, he is very well able to continue to, to build his church. Um, look, look. People, well, I just don't know how we're going to do it. I mean, we need to, we need to, I just don't know how this is going to work. Look, that might be well true if it weren't for God. But God is still alive and well. He is still all powerful. He can still do what no one else can do. And we need to be dependent upon Him more than we're dependent upon anybody else or anything else or any of these worldly ways to try to attract a crowd. Look, their fear, if they did turn to God, they had this fear. If, if we turn to God, I mean, if, if we did face this, this threat with, with faith in God, this is not going to work. I mean, look at all these others. They're, they're doing this, going this way. And if we just do it, we just depend upon God, it's not going to work. But I can tell you this morning that fear and faith never exist together. We either yield to our fears, or we yield to God in faith. <clears throat> Teaching people to live holy, separated lives has always been God's way. Always been God's way. And we should have faith in God that if we do it His way, He can still make it work. Well, I can tell you right now, Brother Marshall, there's people that don't like that. You don't have to tell me. I see it pretty often. You don't have to tell me that at all. I know, because people are rebellious, aren't they? People are wicked, aren't they? People want their own way, don't they? But I'm telling you, this isn't about running some corporation and figuring out how everybody wants things done. It's about being, it's about being the man of God that God has called you to be and standing for right and preaching and teaching the book the way that God would have you to do that and then watching God do what you never dreamed He could do. Okay. It, 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 isn't it amazing the way that God works if we really depend upon Him? Uh, this year, I, we, we installed a deacon that got saved about 10 years ago, uh, a couple of years after I had been there. And, and he was, uh, he was nothing but a dope head. And he's got tattoos all over him. And the first few times he came to church, he had piercings all over him, all these things. And now he's a deacon. He's one of our best bus captains. In fact, he runs the, the bus ministry now, all those things. And, and, and you think, well, man, you, you had the soft 
mouths open. No, I preached the gospel. And, and, and well, I tell you what, how did you bring him along? Well, I preached the book. And, and, and you know, what did you do to, to make him understand all these things? Well, I just prayed for him and I, I asked the Holy Ghost of God to work in his heart and work in his life. And pretty soon he's given up this and he's given up that and he's throwing away his music and he's changing his clothes and he's changing his hairstyle. I'm telling you, God's way still works. It works. And when God does it, we don't have to chase him around all the time. No, no, no. They're not doing it for me. They're doing it for him. I don't want them to do it for me because if they're doing it for me, when I I leave, so will their standards leave. I want to be separated under God, not separated under Bill Marshall. No, 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 no. So why did God give Isaiah this commandment? Well, because he knew how easy that it would be to adopt the world's perspective of our problems and to the world's, uh, turn to the world's solutions to solve those. And God's people needed to know that no matter how bad things might become in their nation, God's way is the only way. Hope in God is their only hope. Come on, this is true spiritually. This is true economically. This is true politically. There is no human solution that can solve the problems of a nation in need of revival. Only God can do that. We must hold to the truths that God has given us. We must stand on the problems that God, uh, uh, the promises that God has made us. We must resist the temptation to cast our vote with the majority when the majority has cast its vote against God. <clears throat> well, I, you know, it's not like we're casting our vote against God. If you're not going God's way, if you're not doing it God's way, if you're adapting the ways of the world, oh yeah, you're going against God. Absolutely so. God's way is the right way. And we can expect Him. No, 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 no. We can expect God to do great things if we will just depend upon Him. The, the majority, it, basically this, we already heard it, the majority has rejected God's truth. The, the, the majority is, is willing to entertain any solution to their problems except God's solution. We don't follow the, the majority when the majority is willing to try anything except turning from the methods of kingdom building gurus and doing things God's way. <laughs> I've got I've got way too many books. I'm telling you, my wife tells me that a lot. I've got way too many books. I've got way too many books. And I've got, man, I grab this book, grab that book, read this book, that book, man. I've got all these different books. All these church building books and all this different thing. I, I read them, I read them, I read them. I, I know I don't sound like I read, but I do, I do. I do. But I keep coming back to this book. And the more faith I put in this book, the more God does. It's an amazing thing. It's almost like God's alive. Crazy. But we're not to walk in the way of unbelieving people. We're, we're, not, we're not to do that. So and then in verse number 13, well, let's, let's move on. Verse number 13, he says this, Sanctify the Lord of hosts himself and let him be your fear. And let him be your dread. And that word sanctify there, of course, we know means to separate. It means to set apart. And what Isaiah meant was that God's people must not lump God in with all the other things that people turn to in difficult times. They must set God apart. 
They must have, we, we, we have to determine to see God as God. One Bible commentator said this, They must not respond to life in a way that makes God look helpless and weak and worthless. Oh no, that's a good quote in the day and time we live in. Well, we've got to have Tattoo Sunday. Well, we've got to have all these catchy slogans if we're going to get people to come in. Look, we have to respond in ways that demonstrate our conviction that God is always God and His way is always right. How people respond to God determines how people will experience God. And we have to stand on God's side. And we have to stand right where God wants us to stand because we're not to cater to the people. Do you preach this way at home? Sunday night I preached on preaching. I told the people I'm going to continue to tell you how wicked you are. Because you're wicked. Well, I'm telling you, you got to be careful because... No, no, we had visitors in the service. I don't know how they took it. No, no, I'm not talking about being obnoxious. I'm not talking about being mean. I'm just talking about telling people... The way that we should go and and the way that we should continue to preach and teach this book without fear and favor of man, without fear and favor of women, and without compromise, that we should just continue to preach, thus saith the Lord. And I'm telling you, God can work. It's an amazing thing how God can truly work. And to those who trust Him, I love this, to those who trust Him, He is a sanctuary. Verse number 14 there. And He shall be for a sanctuary. He shall be. We know a sanctuary is a refuge. It's a place where, where, where a person can find safety and security. A place where people can find peace. And God's not promising that believers will never face danger, never have problems, or that they'll always be protected from whatever harm is out there. But God is promising that no matter what we might go through, and no matter what we might face, that He can give us peace. He can give us peace. Okay. I know that probably none of you ever sat in your office, have sat in your office and fret and stewed. Ever. I'm probably the only pastor that's ever done that. I'm being facetious, you know that, right? Uh, you know, man, what are we going to do and what's going to go on? Man, can we try this and should we try that and do all these different things? What I'm find, finding and what I'm learning after 12 short years of pastoring, what I'm learning is that in, if, if I will direct that type of time to the Lord instead of to worry and fret, that He can give a peace that passes understanding? Oh, come on. You know that peace that you tell your people about all the time? That you have a hard time finding on Monday when you look at the offering sheet? You know, we can have that peace that passes understanding too. If we are willing to use our, our God to, to, to see our God as a sanctuary, because He can definitely, He can definitely be a sanctuary to whatever situation we might be in. And if, 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 if God can be a sanctuary to someone that's in a terrible situation, why in the world wouldn't we be able to have that same peace as we fight the good fight of faith in our churches? Why shouldn't we be able to rest in the fact that there is a God in heaven and He is alive, that His Word is true, every bit of it, Old Testament, New Testament, it's all Bible, to let Him be our sanctuary? 
And we know this to those that reject him, he becomes a stone of stumbling. And brother, it said it very well. I, I mean, I mean, I mean, it may start out good, it may look good, but the end of it. And he 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 can tell stories. I can tell stories. You can tell stories of those that started out like that. Boy, it went good for them for a while, and they had big crowds for a little while, and then a lot of them are completely out of the ministry anymore because of things that happened that way. If you don't trust in the Lord and find in Him your sanctuary, you're going to trip over the Lord and find in Him your downfall. He, he is the one. And the point is this. The point is this. Without a doubt, God will not be ignored. He won't be ignored. He doesn't give us that option. No, no, no. To us that are saved, to us that are God called, God will not be ignored. He'll not, he'll not give us that option. We trust Him or we reject Him. We heard it very well. Come on. We trust Him or we reject Him. We believe in Him or we don't. We live His way or we live our way. There is no middle ground. It's not there. This is applied in the New Testament. To, to Lord Jesus, 1 Corinthians chapter 1. But we preach Christ crucified under the Jews a stumbling block. And under the Greeks foolishness. But under them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, uh, uh, the power of God and the wisdom of God. So, so a person either puts his trust in Christ crucified or, or he, he stumbles over him. There's no middle ground. And again, the point is that our faith in Christ is meant to make a difference. It's meant to make a difference. And I tell people all the time, look, it doesn't matter whether you've been saved a year or 50 years. God is still working on you and trying to get you somewhere. He continues to do that. No matter how sanctified we might think we are, we're not where we need to be because none of us have been completely conformed to the image of Jesus Christ yet. And that is God's purpose after He saves us, to conform us into the image of Jesus Christ. If we believe in Jesus, our lives should demonstrate a peace to others a peace they don't have. A hope they don't possess. A trust in Him. How can we present that if we're not teaching people to trust the whole counsel of God? Everything about God. That God doesn't care it's the 21st century. That He doesn't care if it's the year 2020. That he doesn't care the way that fashions have gone and the ways that entertainment has gone. And, and the, he, he, no, 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 no. And, and he, he, and he's still not accepting of the immorality that runs rampant in the United States of America today. Men marrying men and women marrying women and people walking around out in public in ways they should never walk around. And boy, oh boy, we could just go off on that, couldn't we? No, 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 no. If, if we don't teach people the whole counsel of God, how should we think that they're going to have this peace when things happen in their life? When a daughter is born prematurely or a son is sent into a battle or a loved one goes through cancer or, 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 or I'm telling you, at, at those times, come on brain, at those times we're called upon to sanctify the Lord, to, to make it plain that we see God as God. We believe in Him as God, and we trust Him as God, and we find peace in Him as God. He is our sanctuary in every circumstance of life. 
Let's, let's move on. Let's move on. I want, look, look at verse number 16 there. Verse 16. It says, bind up the testimony. Seal the law among my disciples. Bind up the testimony. The, the prophecy that God gave to Isaiah was to be kept. It's to be kept. The scroll on which the, the prophecy was written was to be tied with a cord. It was to be kept for future generations. I'm so thankful that we have this King James Bible. No, 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 no. I, 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 man, and, and it, it, it's not, that's not just a hot button. I'm telling you, I'm so thankful we have this King James Bible. I'm so thankful that I can trust it every bit of it. I mean, from cover to cover, inside and out. I, I can trust every bit of this. And we can. And we shouldn't be fearful whatsoever to go ahead and preach the whole counsel of God and to teach people they are, that we are to be a separated people and that we are to live different from the world and that we are to think, no, no, no. It, look, if we are, look, if we are not if we are not even willing to teach people to live different from the world in the way we act and the way we dress and the way we walk and the way we talk and the entertainment we take in and all those different things, how are we ever going to really teach them that we can trust God? I mean, and have the peace of God and have guidance from God. No, no, no. If we have a God that does not even care about the way we live after we're saved, how are we going to teach people to respect and honor and believe and follow God in every way that they should? go because I know no no I understand no God cares about what we wear somebody asked me does God really care about what we wear uh, it's a long conversation but absolutely he does he cares about those things and so many other things but but the, but but the thing is is that there's so much more in here than just that that makes you the Christian that you're supposed to be because it's pretty easy to polish up the outside most anybody can do that but I'm telling you, when you get into chapters like uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, where it's all about the inner man and the heart and all those things, then it becomes a real challenge, doesn't it? And God cares about the inner man. Uh, he cares about the outer man. So we have to preach the whole counsel of God. And we teach people, yes, we're to be a separated people. We're to be a different people. And we're to look different, walk different, talk different. Well, and, 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 and if we allow Him to have those changes, and He continues to work on the inner man. But here's what I've found. Here's what I found. If, if, if people are not taught those things, to separate themselves from the world, and to look different, and walk different, talk different, dress different, and all those things, they continue to hold on to the philosophy of this world. I don't know what it is about the outer that seems to affect the inner so much. But I do know this. I've watched people who've changed the way that they, that they act in public, and the way that they talk, and the way that they dress. And I've watched that. And there's something about it that it has to be God. There's something about it that gives people... People a seriousness about the things of God. If I'm going to let him change my outside, I probably ought to let him work on the inside. I don't know what it is. I just know that if we preach the whole council and we go ahead and tell people that there'll be a separated people, that it does do a work that nothing else can do. And this isn't a work that you do, and it's not a work that I do, it's a work that God does, a work that He does. And He expects this. He expects his word to be to be to be fulfilled. Look, look, this this that's just a simple testimony of God's determination 
to preserve his word um, uh, for use of uh, for use by his disciples. Those that are willing to believe the book, those that are willing to stay in the old path, this prophecy was provide uh, uh, was to provide the foundation for patience and hope in God through those difficult times ahead. And I'm telling you, it gets more difficult and more difficult, doesn't it? <clears throat> I'll be saved 36 years uh, next month. 36 years. And 36 years ago, uh, there were some things that were done um, by some people that would have never been thought of to be done by the people of God. And nowadays, people that claim to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their, their, their Savior have even bypassed some of those things. And they're living more worldly than those that um, don't claim to know Christ. This prophecy was to provide the, the foundation for patience and, and hope in God through those times we go through. And in, 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 in these words, people can really be equipped to seek and to, to find God. Look at verse 19. It says, And when they shall say unto you, Seek unto them that have familiar spirits and unto wizards that peep and that mutter. Should not a people seek unto their God the living to the dead? You know, others can look for answers wherever they might choose to look for answers. But let God's people find the answers in this old King James Bible. I don't know what you may have faced along the way. I There have been some people in the church that uh, got to reading other books and psychology and pop psychology and all this other Garbage. I don't know how else to say it. I mean, you cannot mix psychology and Christianity. And and here's what I've seen in that. They end up wanting to go their own way. And because of all that stuff that they read and they've got in their mind now, they justify it. And, And they try to take a little bit of God's truth and add to it so they can justify those things. No, I don't think it's wrong that we would warn people not to partake of those things. <clears throat> I, I still believe this. I, as old-fashioned old, old as you, 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 come on, brain, warp, mouth, dude. <sighs> those two brain cells. I still believe that all the answers for life are in this book. All the answers for life. They're right here in this book. I guarantee you can find them. God can direct you to them. He can show us that way. In, in, in these words, we have an eternal, infallible source of truth. It says that in, in verse number 20. To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it's because no, there's no light in them. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. I'm going to say it again. When the Bible speaks, God speaks. This is God's Word. The Bible sheds true light upon every subject it addresses. Every subject. True light. Well, I'm telling you, those old, those old archaic ways, they're not archaic, they're timeless. Well, well I, you know, but that might have worked a long time ago. It still works today if we can just get people to do what God says. 
And we're not going to get them to do what God says if we start going, well, maybe we should skip that. Maybe we shouldn't preach that. Maybe we ought to watch out about that. No, just go ahead and give it to them straight and strong because God's way is still right. It still does work. Anything that conflicts with the truth of this this book's pages will only serve to keep people in the dark. It just keeps people in the dark. Pre- um, preaching separation unto a holy God gives people light and it gives them life. Come on, you've seen it. You've seen it. The ones that adhere to what you preach and what you teach and you watch, man, it's just like light bulbs come on all over the place. Man, preacher, God spoke to me about this and God's changing my life here and God's delivered me from this and I have victory in this area. I mean, they have light and they have life. Life like they've never had before because they have decided to do it God's way. Look, look, I I understand. Believe me, I understand. Everybody might not like it, but it's what they need. It's exactly what they need. No, no, no. Keep telling them that the ways of the world are wrong. Tell them that they should walk different and talk different and dress different. Preach against smoking and preach against drinking and preach against doping and preach against immodest clothing and preach about uh, preach against sex outside of marriage and, and preach against dancing and preach against mixed swimming and preach against putting hobbies and sports before church services. Don't be afraid to preach separation. Don't be afraid to preach it. How are they going to know if you don't tell them? Well, I don't want to run people off because I need to build my church. Uh, It's not your church. It's not my church. It's his church. Those that reject the Bible will find... And we know this. No, No, I'm going to wrap it up. Those that reject the Bible, the Bible way... They're going to find life. They're going to end up finding life harsh and cruel and increasingly dark. If you've been pastoring any time at all, you've dealt with that. People that got upset about your teaching and preaching, they went another way, did their own thing, don't have to put up this, I don't need to listen to all this stuff, you tell me we're wicked all the time and how I'm supposed to live and how I'm supposed to dress, I don't have to listen to all this and they've gone their own way, and it does nothing but go downhill. We had a couple showed up in church on Sunday morning. We're sitting out there. I was pleased to see them. They were members of the church when I first got there, and uh, were members of the church for a while. Their kids were pretty small when I first got there. They started growing got into those teen years, decided that they didn't want to do this, didn't want to do that, pretty soon out of the house, and they're doing whatever they want to. One daughter ends up pregnant without being married. Another one does. One of the sons goes into drugs and alcohol and all these different things. They just fall out. They didn't want. And pretty much all the kids have gone contrary to the way that God would have them to go. Sad. No, I'm not, I'm not happy about that. I'm not, I don't, but it's because that they didn't want to separate themselves unto a holy God. Now I'm talking about the parents. They didn't want to separate themselves unto a holy God. They didn't want to fight the battles that they'd have to fight with their kids to keep their kids going in the right direction and doing what, what the kids should be doing.
Mom and Dad didn't want to do that. And so all the kids, and when the kids went their own way, Mom and Dad were out of church. And they showed up Sunday morning. I was very glad to see them. And I mean that very sincerely. Went and talked to them afterwards, told them how glad I was to see them. Very thankful that they were there. And they said, well, preacher, we've been talking about it. We need to get back in church. And I wanted to say, you should have just stayed in church. Now, I wanted to say it more emphatically than that. Okay, you guys aren't as harsh as I am. (laughs) I mean, those brain cells, I mean, the first thing that ran across them was, you dumb dingbat! If you'd have just stayed in church. But I didn't. I said, boy, it's good to have you back. Whatever I can do to help you get back in, you you let me know. I want to help. I'll do that. But they walked away. They didn't take separation seriously. And it didn't do them well. It didn't do their kids well. Those people that walk away, it says there that they'll they'll pass through it. They'll pass through Emmanuel's land. It says they're hardly bestead, oppressed, and heavenly, heaven, heavily burdened and hungry. Hungry. Those people that do that, come on, I'm going to quit. Those people that do that, um, always searching. Never satisfied. Never satisfied. Isn't it an amazing thing? I'm, I'm really, I really am trying to, trying to quit. Isn't it an amazing thing? How when people begin to separate themselves unto God and they start getting all this stuff out of their life and they start changing. Isn't it an amazing thing? I mean, they're so, well, if I give up this and I give up that, what am I supposed to do? But they start doing that and they start listening to God. Isn't it amazing how fulfilled they are? <laughs> because God's way is always the right way. It's always the right way. It always will be the right way. I'm not talking about being mean-spirited to people. I'm not talking about ripping their hide off and pouring in the salt, although every once in a while it's fun. <laughs> That's bad, wasn't it? That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. That's bad. I'm just talking about preaching the whole counsel of God and doing things God's way. Talked to a pastor yesterday. His church is growing, church plant, church is growing. What are you doing? What are you doing, brother? Make it grow like that. I just preach the book. Knock on doors. Tell people about Jesus. Still works. It still works. It still works. It says these people that go the other way, they fret themselves. They blame the government. They rage against the leaders. They even blame God. They even blame God. And looking up, they want help from God. But they don't want help on His terms. So they keep looking to the earth. 
keep looking to the world. Hoping against hope that they can find something here they can cling to. And certainly all they find is trouble. The point of all of this is that there has to be a difference between God's people and unbelievers. We as God's people, we reject human solutions for life's problems because we find our hope in God. God's people respond to the trials and the challenges of life in ways that demonstrate that they do believe in God. They do believe that God is big and powerful and good. And as a result of that, if they will do that, the, uh, they experience a peace. A peace that baffles most of those that refuse to trust Him. And God's people, God's people, God's disciples, those separated unto God, they, re- they rely on God's Word to guide them through life. And as a result of that, no, I'm going to say it again because I'm going to stop right here. God's people rely on God's Word to guide them through life. And as a result of that, their lives are different. So our responsibility certainly is to preach the whole counsel of God and do our best to get people to adhere to the whole counsel of God and to live the way that God would have them to live for God's honor and glory. And and I told someone this here just recently sitting in my office. I'm not trying to get you to go God's way. Just because, uh, just because you know, it's the way I want you to go. I'm trying real hard to get you to go God's way because I know you're going to be blessed if you'll just go God's way. Sanctification is still, is still a real doctrine in the Bible. Separation from this world, and we need to continue to preach it as much as we can.